0: Welcome to The Remnant, my name's Todd, I'm the pastor here. If it is your first time or you haven't been here in a while, we are in the midst of a series called Culture Wars. It's okay if you haven't been here for the whole thing, because it's one of those ones you can hop in and out. So the concept and the idea is, listen, we're in a world at war, and, and I kind of mentioned that during my prayer, we, we are. That's scary, I'm not trying to be dramatic, the Bible tells us that, right? Um, Jesus, the Bible makes a comparison between the kingdom of God, every, God owns everything, but the, the way of God, right? The kingdom of God and the domain of darkness, and the domain of darkness is this world that has placed itself under the rulership of a tyrant, and it has, by turning away from God, whether they believe it or not, whether they think they're worshipping themselves or some other god, they've put their faith in a tyrant, and there's an enemy, and he wants to take everything good and make it bad, <clears throat> and that's uh, that's the gist of it. And because of that, we see the consequences of a creation that's walked away from the Creator. What does that look like? Well. Let's just be honest, okay? And this may offend some of you, and I hope not, but it's the truth. Like We are saying that, that little kids that don't feel like, um, that feel like they were born in the wrong body, that we should give them drugs and surgery to change them. We've got divorce rate, the highest it's ever been, suicide rates, depression, right? There's war and famine and disease and vaccines and masks and viruses and all of these things that is constantly bombarding us. <clears throat> and the temptation and what the enemy, the tyrant, wants us to do is he wants us to focus on that. And he wants us to become enslaved to that, to that domain. But that's not what God wants. So we've been talking about that, and, and you know, my, my original goal for this was to attack these specific topics. We did that one week where we talked sort of about this whole transmute movement, right, in general. right? We talked about now they're trying to do transabled which is essentially like, hey, I feel like I shouldn't have legs, so I'm going to go get my legs cut off. This really happened, right, and all of these things. But what's ended up happening is, is it's, it's become, as of late, and as I try to be obedient to the Spirit, to, to a mindset that leads to those topics. Does that make sense? A mindset that leads to that. So that's where we're at. That being said, and a lot of you raised your hand when you said that you, you needed prayer. When I think of life, and I don't know about you, it's go, 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 right? Go, 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 hustle, grind. It's 5 o'clock somewhere, right? We got to get through the day, working for the weekend. I just have to make it to the weekend. Our lives are fast. We got to keep moving. We can't slow down. We can't stop. We can't take time to breathe. We even have to plan our rest, Noise, sound, running, moving, spinning, comes noise, beeps, honks, tings, clicking, clacking, arguing, cars starting, computers booting, car horns, talking heads on TV, telling us the news, but the news is always just all the bad stuff that's coming. With all of this is something else, right? The sound, do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like you're just constantly running? Does anyone ever feel like if you're honest, I can't slow down? Yeah. And then some of you just didn't want to raise your hands, which proves it, right? <laughs> Think about this. Why is it even when you come to church and you come with the right heart, your mind is already going to the next thing? Even if you want to be there, the temptation is, i got to do this, i got to do that. Because if not, if you're not already ahead, what's going to happen? With all this comes something else that's, that keeps us wanting to move. That keeps us moving because if we move, then maybe we don't pay attention to the noise And it doesn't overwhelm us. And and what is that? It's anxiety. It's fear. It's worry. We have to have enough money. We have to watch out for the next variant. We have to worry about Russia. We have to worry about China. We got to worry about the economy. A depression's coming. You got to have a career. How much money am I putting in my 401k? How much before retirement? How much time do I have? My car needs an oil change. I need this. I need that. Am I going to get enough rest? Will we have to mask again? Will there be mandates? Will we be able to take care of my family, my wife? Will I ever get a boyfriend? Will I ever get a husband? Will I ever get a wife? Money, money, money. Got to have enough. Have to prove people wrong about me, right? I gotta get. I gotta run fast because maybe if I run fast, I can get away from my past. Maybe if I can move enough, grind enough, make enough, succeed enough, then all of those things that I did in the past. People won't see that anymore when they look at me. I have to get away from my past, but I also have to protect my future, right? Fear, anxiety, worry. Time. It threatens to overwhelm us. So the two things seem to go together. Our tendency to rush, move, never slow down as we drown in the noise. Can't slow down. I'll drown in that noise. And our very human tendency to fear and worry. A lot of tough guys in the room, right? I'm a tough guy. I'm with you. A lot of tough guys in the room say, I don't worry. Yeah, you do. That's why you're mad all the time. You know why you're mad all the time? Because if you're scary enough, then nobody will mess with you. Nobody will see you for what you really are, right? What you see when you look in the mirror. See, that's the thing. I know your secret, tough guy, because I'm one too. Right? Right? Maybe no one will see the hurt if I stay tough enough. Our modern culture, listen to me, culture wars, right? Our modern culture feeds on fear and worry it feeds on your fear and worry. It makes a lot of money on your fear and worry. It tells us to spend our time planning and living in the future. A lot of people have a lot of power because of your fear and worry. They have a lot of money. It tells us to spend our time planning, right? Fear and worry says, gotta plan and live in the future or the past. You gotta run from the past, We gotta plan for the future. If we watch enough news programs about what's coming, or maybe coming, If we plan well enough, if we predict it all, then we can be in control. And if we're in control, we're in charge. And if we're in charge, then we can avoid the scary, terrible things. After all, things are just getting worse and worse, right? They're just getting worse and worse. So we have to be ready. We have to be prepared. We've got to be God because somebody's got to be. All this stuff, this noise, this speed, this anxiety, this fear, <clears throat> it has an effect on people. There's a Gallup poll from this year, this is in the last six weeks. In a survey, 29% of adults said they've been diagnosed with depression. That's one-third, almost. 18% say they currently have depression or are being treated for it. Those rates are up from 2015 <clears throat> when they were 20% of people have ever had depression, only 11% currently. It's almost 10% both in less than 10 years. The Gallup analyst wrote, quote, social isolation, loneliness, fear of infection, psych- fear, huh, psychological exhaustion, elevated substance abuse, and disruptions in mental health care services have all likely played a role, end quote, in the increase. Lifetime depression among women has jumped 10 percentage points in just the past five years to so 37% in February. One in four women <clears throat> Say they currently have depression or are being depre- I'm sorry, being treated for it up six percent from five years ago. Some of you can't even listen about depression because you're already planning for the next thing to happen today, right? That's the irony as we're talking about the future. Somebody out there's making a list right now. Ooh, gotcha. Holy Spirit. I didn't, I'm not looking at your phone. <clears throat> When responses were analyzed by age, those 18 to 44 years old were the most likely to report ever being diagnosed with depression or currently having the illness. About one-third of young adults have been diagnosed, and more than one in five said they currently have depression. According to the CDC, from 2011 to 2022, the number of suicides has increased by 16%. Federal data shows an alarming increase in suicide rates among youth and young adults. From 2011 to 2021, the suicide rate among people's 10 to 24 increased by 60%. From 10 to 24. Beginning in your life, 60%. Because, see, while we're running around keeping control of everything, and you're a young kid, and you go, that's what I have to look forward to? When they haven't been given the tools and the world's hammering them, Though I don't mean to imply that there aren't other factors to depression and suicide, I fully believe that I do fully believe that the fear mongering culture of our—I'm sorry—the fear mongering nature of our current culture is a massive factor in all this. All the sound, all the noise, all the fear and worry has caused us to lose hope. Things will never get better. They're never going to get better. Things are out of control, and all we can do is hold on and distract ourselves. Our attempts at being God, the running around, the noise, it's all a recipe for disaster. This is not what God wants for us, and this is not what God wants for you. I'm going to say that again. Listen to me. List person. Put your list down for a minute. This is not what God wants for you. But see, it's been glorified even in church, right? you got to have it all together, and if you have it all together perfectly with all your lists and all of your explanations and all your 401Ks and all your money and all your blah, 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 then you're a good Christian. If you're a good God, you're a good Christian, right? When I say that for some of you, like, what are you talking about? I'm not God. I'm seeing the idea that we control everything, the idea that, that I can hold it all together, that's what it is you set yourself and said, God, I don't believe you can control it, you either have the power or the goodness, so I better do it. That's very anxiety-causing because here's a secret. You know that you don't have that power. Me too. By the way, I can say this to you because I'm a big-time controller. All the sound, all the noise, all the fear and worries cause us to lose hope. Things will never get better. Things are out of control, and all we can do is hold on and distract ourselves. I said, that's not what God wants. You've probably heard it said before, right? Who's heard this? How many times does the Bible say something about do not fear? Nobody, somebody knows it. 365, yeah. Luke, you're so respectful. I love you, dude. He raised his hands he's like, I'll answer. Thank you. <laughs> 365, now listen, there's people out there, right? There's Even that, even that. What a hopeful thing you look into it. And some Christian guy out there, I read the article, well, exactly. it doesn't say exactly 365. It doesn't say do not fear, you know, because that's what they do. They want to take away all joy. <clears throat> it may not say exactly do not fear, but it says that concept of not fear and not worry. In fact, you want to hear something crazy, whether or not it's exactly true, the topic of fear shows up in f- over 500 times in some capacity in the Bible. 500. The point is that God does not want us to live in fear. He does not want us to live in anxiety. Now, already all of you are going, um, well, this is, anyway, this is uh, <laughs> not realistic, Todd. Whenever this happens, and I know you're thinking that, I want to tell you about the ridiculous things that you believe in. So you have been told that there's a magical invisible force called gravity right? that you cannot see that holds you to the earth. right? And everybody's going, well, Todd, that's because it's been scientifically proven. It has. I mean, it has, but you haven't studied it. You just know if you jump off a a building, you're going to hit the ground, right? How do you know the moon's not made of cheese? How do you know? You seen the moon? No. My point is, and I'm not saying that. Don't go around and say I believe it's cheese. But my point is this. The fact is, is that it's not ridiculous. You've been brainwashed. Some Some of you have control so hardwired, anxiety and fear, you're actually more anxious about the idea of not being anxious. I've had that before. There's been times I've been at peace and I've literally told people, well, something's wrong. What do you mean? I'm very calm today. (laughs) What? Right? He doesn't want us to live in anxiety and fear, and there's a correlation with fear, worry, anxiety, and the noise and busyness we find ourselves in. Listen to the psalmist in Psalm 46. Listen to this. Behold, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Hmm, I couldn't have planned that any better. What kind of help? Is it a future help? It's a present help. Therefore, we will not move, I'm sorry, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters foam, roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God will help when her morning dawns when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. So here it is. There's, there's, I'm not done yet, but it's important for you to feel it. Do you feel that, right? He's like, hey, people are going to war. There's nations about to crumble, right? Maybe the economy's about to crash, sphere, uh, earthquakes, hurricanes, all of these things are happening. But the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come. Behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. That's work. I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Be still and know that I am God. The idea of be still... In the translation of that, sometimes you'll, its I like to be still, personally, but it's the idea of people in a battle. I've got a sword, and you got a sword, and we're fighting, right? And we are fought so long that we have exhausted ourselves, and it's like that kind of still. You got nothing else left. Stop. Stop. Now, already, all the long-term Christians and church folk are going, be still, no God. I know that, but have you really ever sat and thought about what that means? How often are you still, James? How often are you still? (laughs) I just wanted to say, James, I haven't said your name in a while, right? How often? He's like, I'm not still very often. I know you're not. (laughs) Be still, right? Be still and know that I am God. If we want to stop the fear, the anxiety, the worry, if you believe that God actually spoke to the psalmist who's speaking to us today, not, not a poem, not a philosophy, right? not Oprah's advice, but actual word of God, then we have to take this for real. If we want to live in the truth and live out of the truth, we have to slow down. We have to quiet the noise, and we got to find the quiet place. The quiet place. Now, Already, because you've been trained, well, for me, the quiet place is with my headphones on playing my video games or in the gym or whatever else, right? That's not what I'm talking about. I believe the quiet place. That's why I put that, not a quiet place. This is a specific place. And we gotta find it. We have to. Turn to Luke chapter 12. We're gonna go 22 through 34, but before we do that, I'm going to build on this. This is a famous section. Everybody's going to go, I already know about this, Todd. It's about not worrying about your life, right? <laughs> For some reason, that's how you all sound when you complain all the time, right? Anyway, but we, you know what's interesting when I looked into this? talks about this in both Luke and Mark. This section is given. But right before, in both Gospels, guess what Jesus talks about? Money. Possessions. And the idea in the parable he gives is he's like, listen, stop focusing and being obsessed with what you have, and trying to save up and and take care of yourself. On the one we get the parable of the guy who saves up and then he dies. Remember, he spends his entire life getting all this money and puts it in a storehouse. He goes, Man, now I have this for a rainy day, and then he dies that night. And right, he's like, did that guy have anything? And then the other one, whichever it came first, we know that money preceded this section. Why is that? Now, that's not the topic for today because money gives you the illusion of control. Possessions give you the illusion of control. But let me ask you a question. What's the death rate of millionaires in their life? It's 100%. They die. Everybody dies. It doesn't change it. Listen to this, though. So, I only say the money and the possessions and the rushing around and, the, and saving myself. And listen to what Jesus said here. Verse 22. Then he said to his disciples, therefore, I, this was right after. That's why he says, then he says. Then he said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. What you will eat or about the body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. That means work. They don't. They're not constantly working. They don't have somebody's like. Great, I don't have to work. That's not Now we're meaning. They don't sorry, They don't have a storeroom or a barn yet. God feeds them. Aren't you worth? Man, I can't speak. Aren't you worth much more than the birds? Can any of you add? And this is so big. Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? If then you're not able to do even a little thing, why worry about the rest? If you can't add even a single millisecond to your life with your worry why worry about the rest of it? You can't even do that. You can't add a second to your life. Consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor or spin thread, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God closed the grass, which is in the field today and is thrown into the furnace tomorrow, how much more will he do for you? You have little faith. Don't strive for what you should eat and what you should drink, and don't be anxious. There it is again. Don't worry, don't be anxious. For the Gentile world, that means the unbelievers, the domain. They eagerly seek all these things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be provided for you. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. I already lost some of you. You can't even sell. You ain't even going to sell your hat, right? You ain't going to sell... <clears throat> Sell your possessions, give it to the poor. Make money bags for yourselves that won't grow old, an inexhaustible treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, right away, I need to tell you, he's not saying because we have to look at the Bible in the context that working's bad, that we don't provide. What he's saying is, is what is the overall focus of your life? Right, that's what he's saying. Even this, sell your possessions, give to the poor. Does he mean that literally? Maybe. He's saying, but if you had to, that's of more value than storing up the wealth in your 401k. Which one do you think matters more before you stand before God? How much you gave to the poor, how much was in your IRA? And I don't say that to shame you. Again, there's wisdom, but what do we put status on? How often do you go, man, that guy is a pillar of the community? He gives to the poor. That guy's a pill the community. Did you hear he's a millionaire? Which guy do you give more credence to? Who do you respect more? Who does God respect more? The point isn't that you can't have nice things. The point is that we are, you shouldn't be successful, right? I'm all about grinding, right? I'm all about, but it can't be the sole purpose of your life. And in the big scheme of things, it can't be number one. It can't even be number two. You know Why? Because God's first, then people, then you. So what does he say? And the whole point about birds and flowers, he's not saying, well, I should never be because there's birds. He's making a point of like, listen, do flowers still bloom? Right? Do, are there still birds around? You think the birds are worried about the famine? right you think the words the the point is is that he's saying i've been in control from the beginning i still provide for them and i will provide for you now the question if you're like me is what about the people that he doesn't listen that goes back to the goodness of god something that i'm still wrestling with is that a believer who passes away is not someone who's lost something they've won they're in paradise that's hard to remember right because it's so scary, but like, we are the ones they feel sorry for if they could? They would. They'd look down and be like, look at those poor people, All right? <clears throat> Why is there a tie-in between the obsession with possessions and money and fear and worry and anxiety? Because often those are rooted in a desire, the rushing around, is rooted in a desire to avoid the what-ifs, right? As though having enough money can stop a disease. Can stop a war, can stop the economy from failing. If we have enough, then we can avoid the future scary situations. Jesus reminds us here and in the parables and teachings before this that we have no real control. We don't control the present, let alone the future or the past. We don't control the present, but we spend all our time focused on controlling the past and the future. Now, I'm about to get deep with you here in a second when it comes to past and future. So, if we can't control, Anything truly control? That doesn't mean we sit on the die and give up. My point is, worry about it. Right? You, is the sun going to come up? Even well, if you decide right now today, I'm going decide that the sun's not coming up tomorrow. Guess what's going to happen? The sun's still coming up. Okay. You know you you have no control over that. So why allow ourselves to carry a weight that isn't made for us? That's what he's saying here. Peace comes in remembering who God is and how he feels about us and his promises. Fear, anxiety, and worry, they're all based in the past and in the future. This is important. If I can teach anything today, fear and anxiety are all rooted in the past and the future. They are. Even if it's two seconds from now, that's the future. Now, here's where I'm about to get deep. You ready? I don't think you're ready. Are you ready, James? This is what James did. Good. (laughs) Serious. They're all based in the past and the future. They're rooted in things we can't control. And you ready for this? They're rooted in places that don't exist. I'm going to get you on this, Emma, scientist. You ready for this? That may sound strange, but bear with me. The future and the past don't exist. Hmm, Jericho, hmm. Is Todd right? Yes, I am, right? <laughs> the, the past and the future don't exist. They don't. The future hasn't happened yet. If something hasn't happened yet, does it exist? Some of you are going, oh, I don't know. No, yeah, yeah, right. to God, but to you, does the future exist? No, it doesn't exist. What about the past? I live there a lot. See, I'm a guy that lives in the shame of my past a lot. And I try to run from it. And I'm like, maybe if I can build a big enough wall, then you guys will stop looking at all my past, right? If I, can, if, I can make it, if I can make it nice enough. But that doesn't exist either. So I'm living in a place that's not real. I'm in a make-believe world. And some of you, and all of us, to a degree, in anxiety and fear, we live in the future which doesn't exist yet. It doesn't exist. It does not exist. The future and past don't exist, so living there only keeps us, and this is so important, from real life. Why? Because real life only exists in the present. I'm about to throw a podium. You guys didn't get get your worship today, so you, you didn't get to jam. You wanna earn your worship? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> By the way, if you were in the room and and I, there's multiple of you, so it's not one person, and you got one of the grumpy faces, you have made it my mission to get it just a quiver out of your lip. This is what I'm looking for. And when I do, man, some of y'all are daring me, I will do crazy things. I'm not gonna do it yet, right? <clears throat> But that's the problem, right? They don't exist. Can you walk through a door? And this is to me. Can, can, can you walk through a door and go to the past? What if you wish really hard? What if you try really hard? What if you find a DeLorean and put a Max, whatever that thing's called. I don't remember from the movie. Some of the kids are like, what's a DeLorean? Yeah, it's a movie. There you go, flux capacitor. Nice. This guy thinks he's made time machine. Anyway, <laughs> can, that's good. It is. Flux capacitor. Right? Can you go through a door and go to the past? Can you change a single thing that has already happened? No matter how much I wish, no matter how much I cry, and I have, and I do, no matter how much I punish myself, no matter how much I sit in shame, I can never change a single thing that I've done. I can't stop young Todd, from making that decision. I can't stop myself from doing that sin. I can't stop myself from hurting that person. I can't stop that person from hurting someone I love, and I can't stop that person from hurting me. No matter how much I want it to be true. You can't change what's already happened. What about the future? Can I skip ahead and go to the future? Can I see exactly what's happened if I try really hard to make enough money and then come back? And prepare for it? No. I can't. And neither can you. You know, one of the crazy things, like some of you guys, you're like, well, I have to worry about money because some weeks I don't have enough. You know, I'm worried about how I'm going to pay my bills or feed my kids. That's true. But when you sit there at night at 12.01 a.m. looking at the ceiling, your stomach hurts because you don't know where the money's coming from, do you think that's what put the food on the table the next week? Do you think that worry is what made that bill get paid? It isn't. Well, the worry drove me to do No, it didn't. The worry didn't drive you to go to work. The worry didn't drive you. What it did was make the process miserable. Can you skip? No. Can you stop the future from happening? No. Can we control whether it's World War III right now? We can pray, right? We can go to our God and ask for that, and he can. But that's different. That's not really worrying because that's saying, I got no control, Lord, here. But can you? Anybody got Putin's personal number? Right. Whatever you think, huh? You want to call up old President Biden and say, "Hey, I think you ought to do it this way." No, he don't. he don't listen. If the enemy can keep us distracted with worries and anxieties about the future and the past, he can cause us to miss the now. And this is very, 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 very important. Ready? He caused us to miss the now. And what is the now? The now is where we love people. The now is where we laugh. The now is where we have those little moments with our kids that that are the most beautiful things in the world, if you ever had them, right? Maybe they're laughing or today. You know what I mean. The now is when we're with our significant other, You know, in that beautiful moment, so thankful. The now is where we we love people. The now is where we tell people about the gospel. The now is where we get the promise of life to the full that Jesus promises in 1010 when he says, I've come to give them life and give it to the full. That's not the future and that's not the past. That's the now. And worry and anxiety and noise and move, move, move. Where are you moving to? You're moving right past life to the full. You're moving right past all of the beautiful things you've been given. Now is the only thing, friends, that we are promised. Now is the only thing you know you've been given, right now. Fear is rooted in the what if of the future. God says that perfect love casts out all fear. I love that verse, right? Perfect love casts out all fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears has not been perfected in love. It's a beautiful thing. Some of us, right, might be like, oh, he's am perfected. No, he's saying, listen, if you're fearful, you haven't really grasped how much I love you. So in a way, though, fear is the opposite of love. When you live in fear, you're not living in God's love. And so fear is the opposite of faith. I'm a very faithful person. But yet, I'm worried and holding on to all these things about what, might, what happened in the past and the future and the noise, and I got to keep moving. But I'm faithful. But just in case God doesn't come through, I'll hedge my bets. Yes, I prayed, but I also found a four leaf clover, so I'm covered either way. Fear makes you <clears throat> fear says that we don't trust and can't rest in God's goodness or his power. I'm serious. That's why, this is why I'm not a great pastor. This is why you see a lot of people come and go to church, and praise God, keep coming. But the times you leave is because you feel like, okay, now I've made myself good. I've given myself a good life. I found the perfect girl. I found the perfect thing. Now I'm good. I don't need God anymore. God isn't God to you. God's a wishing well. And once you get what you want, you can leave the well. But that's another illusion. And that's why you come back, because it never lasts. Fear makes you forget your faith. It makes you doubt the heart and reality of God. Listen, it makes us reactors instead of actors in this life we've been given. Does that make sense? Fear and anxiety and worry and the speed of life makes us reactors. we got to move, right? It's like me when I juke someone out, right? When they're trying to... Some of you all go, hey, big man, you can't juke. Let's put some flags on. All right? I'll tell you right now. But the point is, it's reacting. I'm not acting. I'm not sitting down. God wants us to choose and act. God says, listen, I got control. You just worry about what I've told you to worry about. Love me. Love people. I'll take care of the rest. Do what I've told you to do in my word. Follow my instructions. That's letting me be God. I want to give you the kingdom. I delight in it. We become reactors instead of actors in this life we've been given. And instead of choosing to really live and be image bearers of God, everyone in this room, whether you believe in God, whether you don't, He has made you in His image. You are perfectly and wonderfully and fearfully made. You are exactly the way you're supposed to be. And who you are when you live out of who you are makes Him happy because He made you that way. You reflect a part of Him that other people can't. But instead of living in that, in that peace and that joy that you don't have to try to be something else. Just be who you are in Him. Instead of living in that joy and peace, we instead live at the mercy of this world, which tells us what to fear, what to think about, what to worry about, and what to focus on. And guess what? It never wants you to focus on God and the kingdom. It never wants you to seek the kingdom first. And even some of us in the room today, I'm talking to you because your tendency is to say, hey, I know, I need to, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to church, but, right? Church, yeah, we're called to gather together primarily so we can be reminded of the truth because the world doesn't want us to remember. But you still walk out and you still live your life at the, at the beck and call of the world. never wants us to think about God and the kingdom. But Matthew 6.33 says what? And I mentioned it in Luke. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What do you think all these things are? All the stuff you're worried about. Sometimes I worried about things that I thought I wanted so bad, and I was like, oh, God just gives it to me. And looking back, I can genuinely say that that would have been disastrous for me. Hebrews 13.5, listen to this, and it's not just the money, though he brings it up again when it's attached to this. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have for. He has said, quote, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know what's beautiful about that? He's quoting the Old Testament, Deuteronomy one eight, when he says, hey, pretty much, paraphrase, remember who God is. Don't worry, I got you. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never turn my back on you. Even when it feels out of control, I got this. Now, I'm going to give you a preview. Part of the reason some of you don't like this topic and you're like, I just want some tangible stuff is because you believe that worry is a feeling. It's not. A feeling comes from worry. What is the feeling that comes from worry? Anyone? I've already given you a clue. What what kind of feelings come when you worry? Fear. Fear is a feeling, right? To to be scared, anxiety, anxiety. So worry can't be the fear. I mean, worry can't be the feeling. Worry is the action that you choose to do that leads to the feeling. And if it's even, no matter how strong it feels like, you have a choice to not do it. You do. I'm saying this as a worrier. (laughs) I understand how hard it is. Isn't it funny? I'm a controller and a worrier. Weird how they go together. The enemy and modern culture wants you worried about the what-ifs and the future. Why? Because it's easier to slip things past in the now. You want some tangible world advice? Why do you think governments, and I said multiple, they want to tell you all the scary stuff that's going to happen? Because if you're focused on all the scary stuff, guess what you'll do? You won't worry about what they're taking away, what they're doing. You won't worry about that because... Ooh, look over here. It's that old trick. Look at the scary monster. Slide it off the table. And you know what's even scarier about us humans? If someone will just lie to us and say, I'll be your God. I'll protect you. I'll take care of the big scary what ifs. We'll give them control. We'll give away our God-given rights. What is idolatry if not that? A lot of people in this world idolize Government. Even believers. That's why we're so worried at the end of the day. I I get it. I pay attention to politics and it's wise to do that. But listen, if you think one man's going to save the world, you're right and wrong. The one man's already come and he'll be back. No president, no king. They're not the Savior. Just like the other way around, there's no president or king that can overcome the Savior. They do it, right? With the enemy, the devil, and this world that works for them. They, in modern culture, the culture where it wants you to worry about the what ifs in the future. Why? Because it's easier to slip things past in the now. So I'll bring it, make it a little more uh, relevant to you. What about in relationships? A lot of times, problems in relationships come almost felt. You see that control, right? <laughs> control because you say, "Well, I can't." I, I, I don't want to love my wife when she's disrespectful because then what if she keeps being disrespectful? Well, then I'm, I'm enabling her. What if it's the other way around? I'm not going to respect my husband when he doesn't do what I want him to do because what if he keeps doing that? What's the key word there? What if? God said, I got this really easy for you. This is so good. You don't even have to worry about the what if. I just want you to love. I just want you to respect. it's easier for us when we're living in the what is in the future, listen, it's easier for us to be disobedient. It's easier to make ourselves and I the most important thing. God says what, though? Be still and know that I am God. Got to move here. Jesus had every reason to be anxious. Did you know that? Jake, did you know that? You're not paying attention, man. You didn't give me a nod. Do you know that? (laughs) No. I'm just going to pick on everyone. You never know when I'm going to talk about you. Right? That's why people don't come back. Anyway, Jesus had every reason to be anxious. That's why they don't tell me their names. Smart. Don't introduce yourself. That's a good idea. And I can't say your name. <laughs> he knew what the... That's, I never thought of that. That makes sense. Some of you will wave to me as you're going out the door. You're like, oh. Um, Jesus had every reason to be anxious. He did. And one of the thing I love about Jesus is he doesn't hide that. He actually was anxious. And but he had a reason to because he actually did know what was coming. Did you know that? His was a little separate. He knew what was coming. He knew what the future held for him, which none of us do, and yet he still lived, even though he had those moments. He lived a life of purpose. Why? How did he do that? Because he lived in the moment. All the while, knowing what was going to come, Jesus lived in the moment. How do we know that? Because even though he knew what was coming, what was coming? A terrible and painful death. Loneliness, all of his friends left him. Despair, brokenness. Guess what? He still preached. He still healed. He still fed the hungry. He still served the poor. He still touched the untouchable. He still healed the hurting. He still loved people. Any of you ever get so overwhelmed with anxiety that you go in a room by yourself and shut the door? You don't want to be around people? This is so bizarre as an extrovert. This has become me as of late. <clears throat> when I think of Jesus, it's so convicting Because he didn't do that He didn't stay away from people Long term Now He was able to live in the moment How do we know that, right? He still loved people But how did he do it? There's a big clue throughout all the Gospels And you've probably heard it before But I, to me it's crazy When I actually I sort of gloss over it every time I read it Here's a big clue So number one Here's the first sentence. After having compassion, it said he came, the crowd was following him, they always followed him, right? And he said he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick, and then he fed them. He fed 5,000 people directly after that, directly after. In Matthew 14, 22 through 23 and 23, listen to what it says. It says, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. By the way, right after that, he walked on water. In Mark 1, 35 through 37, after Jesus had healed and drove out, it said many demons from so many people in Capernaum. We get this in Mark 1, 35, 37. It said very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, went out, and made his way to a deserted place. And there he was praying. Did it it say he went to his sanctuary, the game room, the gym? I like the gym too, right? But no. And there he was praying. Simon and his companions searched for him. And when they found him, they said, everyone's looking for you. I included that part because, man, as soon as he wasn't alone again, it's like, you got stuff to do. Well, guess what he did right after that? He went into Galilee immediately and began to preach and heal people again. Luke 5, 15 and 16. But the news about him spread even more and large crowds would come together to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. You ever wonder that as they came to be healed, these crowds and get bread, remember he's God in man that he looked and said, you're gonna be one of the ones that say crucify me later. Would you still give him bread? I don't know if I would. And large crowds came to be healed of their sicknesses, yet he often withdrew to what? Deserted places and prayed. Later on in or, <clears throat> Luke 6, 12 and 13, after healing the man, this is one of my favorite scenes, there's a man with a shriveled hand on the Sabbath. He had a, he had a hand <clears throat> that was shriveled and the religious leaders said, hey, you can't heal, you can't work and heal and take care of someone on the Sabbath. And he said, oh, really? Heal. Just looked at him and their face walked off, right? But right after this, right after this, After he had to confront these people, during those days he went to the mountain to pray and spent all night in prayer to God. When daylight came, he summoned his disciples and he chose 12 of them, whom he also named apostles. I included that because pray alone, I'm going to make a huge decision for the entire fate of the church. I'm going to name my 12 now. By the way, he prayed all night. Yo, Lionheart dudes, it's tough to pray 10 minutes, isn't it? And of course, we have the scene, I didn't even put this in here, in the Garden of Gethsemane as Jesus was about to face the future. He was about to have the moment when it was all coming. He knew what was coming. He called his best friends with him, but then he said, stay here and pray for me because I want to do this, but I'm scared. And he went off where? Alone to pray and talk to God. In the chaos of life, in the noise and in the moments when anxiety did or could have raised its ugly, fear-causing, worry-sowing face, Jesus slowed down. In the moment when the world wants us to speed up, right? we got to go mow. we got more people, right? I, I know I would be. be like, I don't have time to stop. There's, there's 4,000 more people out here. He found the quiet place so that he could hear the small, still voice and be reminded of the now. In the quiet, in the still, he could, and we still can. I don't know, he didn't do anything, I just want to point out. He still can. Slow it all down, guys. You can slow it down and silence the fear in the presence of God. I heard a guy the other day say, and I thought this was pretty powerful. He said, some of you make yourself too accessible to people. Now, some of you are like, yes, that means I don't have to love people. That's not the point. His point is, you are so accessible that you are what? I react. That's me sometimes. I get a message, I get a text, I'm going to need something, I got to go. And and when you do that, you never have time to hear from God. You see, God doesn't yell. Why would he? He's in control. God's in the still and the quiet moments. He's not going to argue with you for your attention. He calls you to him. He gives you the choice whether you want to stay in the craziness and the busyness and the rush and the worry and the anxiety or do you want to come and be still and be reminded that I am God. These type of messages are hard because we get a lot of them out there, right? 12 steps to no longer worry and people can stop listening. But guys, this is the truth. You know why some of you are going to walk out of here and you're not going to change a single thing. You need to find the quiet place. That's why I said not A. What is the quiet place? It's when you are alone and quiet with God. When you intentionally slow it down. But here's the thing. Not for the purpose of sitting and wallowing in your fear and anxiety, but to be reminded of who God is so that you can go and be God, right, and be his image bears to this world that needs him. Because the other opposite thing you can do is you can go alone and sit in your anxiety and fear. And that doesn't produce fruit either. So, I know you love lists. I said it earlier. I wasn't making fun of lists. I mean, I was a little, but I have them. Right? I got five steps to less fear and more peace. Who wants it? <laughs> Very awkward for me. No. Yeah, okay, number one. and I And I've got... Some words here. Hopefully, you it's a lot of O words. I almost put the O's of less fear. You'll get it in a minute. One, slow down. Slow down. The world's not going to stop spinning if you slow down as much as people like me and you think that it will. It, it's not going to work if we don't keep moving, is it? Slow down. Hey, listen. <laughs> Would you listen if I was Oprah? You know what's so funny? All oh, you're like, man, I would never fanboy, boy, fan over Oprah. Yeah, you would. You'd be like, eh, I love you. Anyway, the point, the point is, right, or if I was whoever you want to say, slow down. Slow. Number two, go. Find the quiet place. Like that, Raven? Slow and go, get it? Slow down. Why do you have to slow down? Because the only you're going to have to slow down to go, whoa, what's going on? Now I'm going to go find the quiet place every day. Every day. Say no to worry and fear. Remember I told you earlier, that is a choice. I know it doesn't feel that way, Emma. It feels like it's just a feeling. It is a choice. Remember, worry is the action that leads to fear and anxiety. It's not the feeling. You have to choose not to do it. Stop worrying about (laughs) whether or not you feel anxiety or fear. Stop worrying about whether, well, if I choose not to worry, I'm still going to feel this way. Stop worrying about your feelings. Stop being a obsessive worshiper of feelings. Feelings aren't tangible. They can't control you. They're a barometer. Say no to fear and worry. Number four, grow your faith by knowing God. Don't just go find the quiet place. Talk to him. Some of you all, if I, if, you're, if that new girl you like, like, I want to go into a room and talk alone for an hour. I know you'd be there. I know you would. I love you, Smoochie, right? Go grow, by the way, I got some smiles finally. All I had to say was Smoochie, got you. All right, (laughs) grow your faith by knowing God. And And here's the thing, and this is actually, this last one is a key, right, to actually not feeling fear and anxiety. It's gonna seem backwards, but we gotta look at the example of Jesus. Go serve. Slow, go, no, grow, go. You like that? You got two goes. Go serve. Action. Slow, go, no, grow, go. (laughs) Hey, you'll remember it, maybe. Go serve. Live your life for other people. One of the crazy things is when you're loving other people and serving other people, your problems become much smaller. I promise they do. I got a question for you, and today's going to be a little different, like I said. Is your life a blur? Is it a blur? Is it nonstop? Now, here's the thing. Someone or somewhere or probably yourself told you that that's out of your control. That's a lie. It is a lie. And, you know, we say this a lot, but it's it's serious. I know you've heard it, but let yourself think this. Do you think on your deathbed you're going to be sitting and saying, Man, I wish I would have spent more time on that presentation. Man, I wish I would have spent more time, you know, putting money in my savings account. You think you're going to worry about money at all? No. And that's what Jesus was saying earlier. The kingdom and the values of the kingdom are the things that last. Are you worried? Are you in this room right now? Are you a worried person? Be honest with yourself. Are you anxious? Fearful? Let me ask you a question. When you're all worried and anxious and fearful, does it make you less worried, anxious, and fearful? No. It makes it worse. Right? It just it's this perpetuating cycle. Do you want to be fearful? Do you want to be like, do you want life to pass you by? Do you want to close your eyes and wake up? And 20 years have passed? 10 years? Two years? Do you want to sit here and go, man, I can't wait till church is over so this guy quits talking? Because even if you don't like me, though, do you know what you're wishing? This is abnormal. You're wishing to be closer to death. What is life? Do you want to be worried and rushing and in the noise? Because you don't have to be, but you have to take action, slow down. Stop letting the God of this world, the gods of this world, tell you where you have to be and what you have to do. I got something else here, and this this is something this is not my notes, but I feel like I need to say it because it's been idolized in Christian circles. So, do you want to know a way that we've hidden and glorified money, but we've done it in a backwards way? Work ethic. I got to go to work. I'm a a hard worker because that gets glorified in the church because there's scripture that says, Hey, he who does not work does not eat. And everybody's like, Yeah, work's number one. What are you teaching your kids? Because here's a little secret I found, and this is why people don't like me and people I mentor. I'll go find another job tomorrow, especially now because a lot of lazy people, right, that don't want to work. So there's tons of jobs. There is no job that is worth my life. There is no job, no money that is worth my life. There's no job or money that is worth losing people. And some of you all, you are, you are I've, I've talked to people, I'm mentoring, like, what do you mean? What, I can't call off sick, even, and they're literally hacking up, I can't do that, they'll get mad. How many PTOs days do you have? 75? But my boss will be mad if I use them. They're called paid time off. Yes, it is you. You are one of them. <laughs> what if my boss fires me? Woohoo! I'll go get another job. I might get unemployment in the meantime. Go ahead and fire me. I don't care. I'm serious in unemployment. My point is like, life is not, life is more than that. Life is more than that. And if you're in this room today and you don't know God, but you're, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, I believe in God who creator, your That's not an option. That's not an option. I'm going to tell you what the gospel is and the good news. The good. There is only one way to God. I'm a good person, I'm a good this, I'm a good that, I believe in Jesus, blah, 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 blah. Jesus doesn't want you to just believe in him. In fact, the Bible says even the demons believe in Jesus. Who is Lord of your life? God created everything, he made it perfect, and this world was not the way it is now. This came about because we walked away from the creator. We rejected God, right? We had one rule, he's God and we're not, and we turned our back on it. And because of that sin and brokenness and ugliness has entered the world, and war, and death, and all those things, and your anxiety. Because now you're actually asking yourself, is there anyone in control? Because the farther we get from God, the harder it is to remember. So when we couldn't go to God, right, we've sinned against him, and here's the truth. This isn't just a story of like, oh, he's gonna make your life better. I don't know if he's gonna make your life better on this earth, but I know this, he's gonna make your eternity better. You're eternal beings, You are guilty before a holy God because of our sin, no matter how good you are. It's perfection is the standard, and if you've fallen short one little bit, you're going to be punished for that and separated from God. Hell is separation from God for eternity. That's what it is. You're guilty. You have a debt that you can't pay. When we couldn't make it to God by being good enough, no matter how hard we try— God made a way for us to come to him, right? He made a way for us uh, by coming to us. Jesus of Nazareth existed. That's a fact. No historian would say otherwise. I heard the other day one of the, the most famous atheist um, New Testament scholars and experts believe it or not, they exist, right? They study his. Uh, he, he, uh, <clears throat> he's like, unfortunately, and he actually said this unfortunately, Jesus of Nazareth existed. There's no denying that. So if he existed, there's only three options. C.S. Lewis puts it very clear, right? If Jesus existed, there's only three options, right? He is a liar. He literally lied to us. He's a lunatic. He's a crazy man. Or he's the son of God. He is who he said he was. He didn't give another option. He's not the Buddha. He's not a good person. He said, "Those I am this. So which is he? you got to make that decision. You can continue to live life as your own God and you find out on your deathbed whether that's in two minutes or 50 years. You'll find out who's God and who's not. The question is, do you want to recognize that now when you can? Do you want to say, Lord, I turn away from my sin. I turn to you. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sin. Right? He lived a perfect life, taught us about the kingdom, taught us about life, and then he died on the cross. Why? So that that punishment that's reserved for you doesn't have to fall on you. But you have to do something. He won't force it on you. You have to be willing to say, I'm not perfect I turn to you, forgive me for what I've done. Does that mean you got to have it perfect and fixed? If so, I'm in trouble because I'm not perfect, but I know he is. The Bible says, right, Jesus died on the cross. Three days later, he was raised from the dead. There's over 500 witnesses that attest to this. The Bible says that to be saved, to know God, to know that if you die today, you could be within heaven rests on really one simple thing. It's simple but hard. Can you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead? Will you believe he is who he said he was? If you do that, you will be saved. That's what the Bible says. You don't have to beat that addiction. You don't have to fix yourself yet. He will do that. But you have to be willing to say, I need fixing. I turn away from this and I commit myself to following you, Lord. If you do that, you'll be sealed with the Holy Spirit. You'll be changed forever. Worship team's going to come up here. I told you, you earned it. You get your reward. I'm just kidding. It's not for you anyway. It was a trick question. It's for God. Anyway, <clears throat> but I do want you to hear, I want you to take this time in this song that they're playing. And I know it's a little different and, and it's a weird segue. So for some of you that that little voice was saying, hey, that's you. Unless you can say 100% that if you were to die today, you would be with God in heaven forever, then you need to listen. Take this time as you worship. There's gonna be people willing to pray for you. Today, they're gonna be in the back. Okay, normally they're up here in the front. They're gonna be in the back because there's a worship going on. Why don't you go to them, right? You don't need them, but, but they're here to pray with you so that you can walk out here 100% confident that you are with God and know God. And maybe you're in the room today and you've been constantly living in fear. You've made fear and worry and anxiety your God. What if you said today, no, Lord, I'm gonna take this time and I'm gonna be still and I'm gonna know your God. Forgive me for thinking I'm in control. I give it to you. I let it go. What if today you just drop it? The worry, the anxiety, and fear. And kids, don't let anyone tell you that your anxiety or fear is any less than what the adults feel. They they will say stupid things to you like, listen, you ain't got anything to worry about. They don't remember that it felt the same. That's still real and God still cares about it. Whatever you do, right? They're in the back ready to pray for you. You can certainly come up here to the altar and pray. Whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in. And as we worship, whether you're worshiping or praying Let yourself be still and remember who God is and who is not. Whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in, because if you do, you're choosing to.